Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Courtney. And it is a day. Just we have lost our minds. <laughs> before fine. the podcast even starts, we are completely uncapable. Uncapable is. is not a word. It is past our bedtime. We don't know what we're doing. But we are here for you because we love you. We will be here for you until someday, somehow, something pays me enough money to not want to do this. Yeah. Which, to be honest, would have to be a lot of money because I genuinely enjoy doing this. Yes, it's, it's one of my favorite things. Everyone always tells me, they're like, you do so much work. Why don't you like cut back on the podcast? I'm like, that is the only sanity I have during the week. I'm like, that's where I get to use my creative thoughts and my creative knowledge. And I just want to be there, be happy with MK and our seven listeners. Some of my students asked what I podcast about. And I go, you will never know. They were like, can we find out when we graduate? I go, potentially. Graduate high school. <laughs> I go, but I don't. I don't talk in a way or about material <laughs> that is appropriate for you in any way, shape, or form. Not at all. Not like, at all. First of all, the show started with Hemlock Grove. Right. Thirteen-year-olds cannot watch that show, and if they do, I genuinely question their parents. Fair. And also, I have said things on the show that they never need to know about me. That is also true. <laughs> Granted, there are things that probably no one needed to know at some points, but me, and it's well, fine. You know, I'm an open book. I and I love that about you. I don't keep secrets, despite the fact that I do many things that should be kept secret. Look, that's why I love you so much. You keep life interesting. And we always have something to talk about, if that wasn't clear from our past episodes. So how was your week? Um, a little stressful, just because it's the last week before vacation. So like my brain and heart are not in it at all. But I also have so much that I need to get done before vacation that I'm right, just like... Right. But, and the kids are also crazy. Like, they're just as ready to be out of school as I am. Yeah. But otherwise, it is great. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, as great as it ever can be as a middle school teacher. Well, that's a bar some strive to reach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I am... It's been a long week. It's Wednesday. Last week was a long week. <laughs> Just ran together, but uh, had a decent weekend. I uh, oh. worked Saturday night um, till the wee hours of the morning. I got off at one. I was so tired. I have like my sleep is so broken now. Um, yes. What did I do Saturday night? Oh, Saturday night was my best friend's birthday party. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, so I messed up my sleep, but it was fine. My friend Zach, um, that I've spoken about before, because he's the only person that visits me, um, 
came in on Sunday. Well, he came in on Saturday, but I saw him on Sunday. We went to brunch and we went to the French embassy, which I've never done before. They have this bookstore called Albertine and it's got French and English books. And so in the spirit of the podcast, I found this book called Le Fin de Ma Vie. And it's oh. the films of my life. Yes. The guy's name is Francois Truffaut. Um, it is all in French. And he talks about different, like, renowned films, like Scarface is in here. Um, honestly, that is the only one I can remember when I started talking about this book. But Scarface is in here. And so I'm going to try and watch some of these films, like, rewatch them and then, re- like, read his, like, discussions about them. Try and get better at French. And uh, this is how... And because I bought that book, I needed to buy a book I had already read in French. To practice your French, obviously. So I bought Harry Potter. Fantastic. <laughs> that book I probably know word for word. Fantastic. I actually do know the first chapter of that book basically by heart. Yeah. I, uh, I know it pretty well. So, yeah. And then we went to this place and uh, uh, I may have talked about this last week that uh, called The Lodge in Bryant Park. Did I mention this to you? That was super cute with the Miss Maisel pop-up? No, you did not. Oh, well, there's a super cute pop-up in Bryant Park. And uh, so the spot's owned by Prime Video, and it's called uh, The Lodge. I've said all of these things three times now. Um, but we And I've been wanting to go, but I was like, it's so cute and cozy. I don't really want to go by myself. So we were walking. We ended up walking from, like, 86th down to, like, 33rd. <laughs> we walked a lot in the snow. It was excellent. Love the snow. And uh, so we stopped at Bryant Park, and I was like, we also went to the New York Public Library, which I'd never been to before. I'm sorry. I'm just rambling. So we go to Bryant Park, and I'm like, let's go get a drink and sit down. And they had, like, mulled wine and Bailey's or hot cocoa with Bailey's. And so we got our, like, cozy drinks and settled in. Turns out the company that owns my bar is the one that was also running this event. And so I got my employee discount. <laughs> oh. Super nice. That is nice. Uh, shout out to Stout. Thanks for thanks. I um a very wintry weekend. Oh, I forgot. I mean, I I was just thinking today has been such an insane day that like full disclosure, today's Wednesday. The podcast was supposed to come out on Wednesdays, <laughs> and it fully is not coming out on Wednesday, which you will already know when you listen to this, because I literally didn't know it was Wednesday, despite fully knowing it was Wednesday. Does I also make- didn't know it was Wednesday. Until I texted you and said, we're meeting tonight, right? Because no, I thought like, it was Tuesday. No, like I knew I had to record tonight and we go to mass at school on mm-hmm. Wednesdays. So like I knew it was Wednesday all day, but I didn't mm-hmm. know it was Wednesday. Um, so Speaking I didn't even know it was Wednesday. I just realized I was supposed to have a meeting today at two o'clock that I did not go to. <laughs> you, you win this one. You Nine win. o'clock at night. I just realized I didn't make it to my two o'clock meeting that was supposed to be today. You win the fucking today up award. There we but go. I, I was so busy thinking about how terrible today was that I forgot that I had a really good weekend. You look like you had a really good one. We haven't really talked about it, but I no. saw lots of time with Brittany. Yeah. So Brittany is back from South Africa and um, her birthday was last week. So we went out for mexican um on saturday we had mango margaritas it was fantastic oh, i love mango right 
And so it was me and Brittany and then Brittany's other best friends, um, Meg and Renee, and then Meg's fiance, Zach. And so the five of us, we had dinner and then we went bowling. I I had the highest game of the night with a 153, which is not that impressive, but I was very proud of myself. Did you say 153? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I heard correctly. Yeah. I mean, it's not that impressive. Yeah, it's half. (laughs) (laughs) But it was the highest of the night and we were all drinking. So like Oh, yes. That's excellent then. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then Sunday was Galentine's Day. So we went to the botanical gardens and took pictures and had make your own waffles and then just went out to lunch Mm -hmm. and hung out and it was great. And then we went I went home and I watched the Super Bowl with my parents and I won. I won my work Super Bowl pool for halftime and the final. What was your halftime bet? It was the same numbers. So because the game halftime was 13-10 and then final was 23-20. So it was three and zero both times. So I won the whole day. Nice. So I have money to put in my gas tank when I drive to Florida on Friday. To spend money on things in New York. I will hopefully not be spending that much money in New York. I hope you're not either, because then I would be also spending that much money, and uh, <laughs> not good for me. I think we've yeah. we've paid for most things we're going to pay for. Yeah, for yeah. But yeah, so it's it was a good weekend and a good week. It's been a long week, even though it's Wednesday, but it, it hasn't been a bad week. Okay. <laughs> sure, if you say so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying every every podcast. I'm like, everything sucks. I'm so tired. It's the longest week of my life. And I'm trying to be positive today. Look, since Sunday, everything has sucked and I'm tired. So it's fine. Maya, we'll be better next time around. You know what didn't suck? What is that? Dead like me. Nice. You know, um, we watched Dead Like Me season two, episode 13. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know if that, I'm sorry. I set my notebook down and I started just pushing buttons on my computer. <laughs> Perfect. Um, this episode was called Last Call, um, which now that I've watched it and I like know what it's about, it's so depressing. Um, <laughs> um, it came out on October 17th. 2004 and it was rated 8.5 stars which is the highest of the entire series so far um not of the entire series it does get higher but 8.5 is the highest so far um the number one song is still goodies and the number one movie is still shark tale which disclaimer i realized while driving home from work the other day and i almost went live on instagram to apologize because (laughs) i said that the number one uh, DreamWorks movie was Shrek, which is still true. And the number two was Shark Tale, which is still true. But then I said that the number three was Despicable Me. And that is such an affront to Kung Fu Panda that I can't even believe it came out of my mouth. Is Elimination part of DreamWorks? I thought it was separate. But I did want to correct you last time because you sounded so confident that I decided I was wrong. Is Illumination part of DreamWorks? I don't think so. I don't think it is. I just accepted what you said. Um, 
I haven't seen all of yeah, them. Yes, so Illumination Entertainment DreamWorks. It's all the same thing. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yes. I wasn't sure. Good to know. Yes. Um, I've only seen yeah. the first. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Tech, okay. they're, both, they're both owned by Universal. That's how I knew that they were the same company. But gotcha. yes. Yes. So technically not the same animators, but the same company. Right. But again, while Despicable Me is fantastic, I cannot believe I affronted Kung Fu Panda in that way. I don't know. I have like a giant, like pillow-sized Poe stuffed animal that my high school boyfriend got me. That's precious. That came out when we were in high school. Yes. We're that fucking old. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was directed by Steve Beers, who is returning, and the story was by John Massius and Stephen. Godshaw and the teleplay was by Stephen Godshaw and Annie Weissman. So our friends. Um, there were two guest stars. Um, I only took notes on one of them because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> the two yeah. guests, the two guest stars in the credits were Katie Stewart and Aaron Paul. Um, neither one of them was in any significant amount of this I'm sorry. episode. No, it's not. It is not, his name is Aaron Paul, but it is not that Aaron. It is not the kid from okay, Breaking well, Bad. Okay, well, who is this guy then? Um, is it spelled the same? I, yes, maybe. I'm, I am like 98% sure that that guy, that I wrote down the correct name. Um, because I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I, uh, as soon as I said it, I was like, that can't possibly be what I actually meant to write, but I think it was. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to look it up and I'm going to have to advance will, for time. I will fact check you. You can tell me about the other one. Well, Katie Stewart is the one I actually took notes on. And okay. Katie Stewart, um, was the young girl who was died in the first scene. So like, that is why I was like, well, that's a person. Um, and, oh, sorry. That's because I can't read my notes. His name is Aaron Pearl. Yes. That is a different person. The, e, the ER in my notes looks like a U. So I just can't read. Yes. That's okay. He also means nothing to me. So it's Correct. fine. So Katie Stewart was in the a hundred. She was in inconceivable. She was in the crow, the TV show. And the only note I have about Aaron Pearl was that one of the trivia facts for this episode is that Katie Stewart and Aaron Pearl have both appeared in single episodes of Stargate SG-1. Excellent. Um, I forgot to, did not look him up, so I don't know anything else he ever did. I just but... looked him up. He's not great. I mean, fantastic. I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> um, the blurb says, Mason and Daisy try to keep Ray's death a secret. Mason receives a purple post-it, possibly his final read before moving off. Roxy investigates Ray's disappearance, questioning Daisy. George attends another going-away party at happy time. Reggie accidentally lets JD out and searches for the dog. And once again, the blurb has given you the entire episode. Have a good day. Yes. In yes. fact, there were so many things that happened in this episode that I was like, I would genuinely be shocked and confused right now if the blurb hadn't already told me that was going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I never read the blurb until after I've watched it. I don't when I'm not taking notes on the episode. Mm -hmm. But I then I, I do when I'm the one taking notes on the episode. 
amazing. I like to get my first reaction. Which I, if I was still watching episodes twice before recording, I might. Like, when we did Hemlock Grove, I always watched the episode Mm -hmm. once, took notes, and then watched it again. But I don't have time for that in my life anymore. So. That's fair. I am. I studied for the bar. I'm excellent at taking notes first time around for videos. That's what I did for my life for a year and a half. So yeah, that's why I went to law school. So I could do this podcast for you guys. Um. (laughs) My students were like, you're going to get your third degree soon, aren't you? And I go soon. Do you know how many TV shows I still have to watch? (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, oh, that's true. Are you caught up yet? And I just started laughing. I was like, what? Caught up to what? Every TV show that's ever existed? Because no. No, I am not. not. Um, So we start the episode off with George at a boot camp for a reap. And um, I was immediately taken aback by the chants that the soldiers were uh, saying while they were running. Mm -hmm. Because they involved things about... um, moms being whores and dads being or then somebody being a porn star and a brother and a sister boning each other and I was like I don't somehow I think you're trying to explain to me that men are crude and like inappropriate but I know a lot of soldiers and while they say inappropriate things like this their boot camp drill songs are not just like straight up like misogyny Right. Yes, I am. Um, I agree. I feel the same way. I was like, this is very strange. Um, I don't I don't know where these came from, but that's no. okay. Um, but Harip was a female cadet. Um, and uh, the female cadet is going to be the first female to get over the wall at boot camp. And she succeeds. Bless her heart. For immediately dying. Yes. And um, George is like the least pleasant human. In all of existence. Like, I was so just frustrated because I was like, I, this girl is just trying to figure out what being dead is like. And George is like, so rude. Yeah. Also, get to my first trivia of the moment in here. Because um, once again, the rules of being dead inconsistent as shit always because day air george tells the dead girl that one of the perks of being dead is that you can drink as much tequila as you want and never have a hangover but four episodes ago when mason was being sober he clearly said that the best part of being sober was not having a hangover so like can dead people get hangovers Here we go again, being inconsistent. My my desire to get rid of all plot holes just says that Mason was never really hungover. He was just always still drunk. So he didn't know (laughs) that he wasn't hungover because like he didn't have time to heal because he was still fucked up. Like that's that's my like attempt at rewriting their plot holes, but there's still plot holes. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of them. Don't worry. There's um, more. To- <laughs> always. <laughs> um, 
then we go to the diner where Mason is very, very much struggling with this uh, this guilt over killing Ray. And um, we see that Tiffany is just like, all right, he's weird. Moving on. Like, she is so just chill with Mason being fucking weirdo mm-hmm. that I appreciate it. Yeah. And um, while we're at the diner, we see that Reggie and Clancy are also at their waffle house. And Clancy immediately. Yeah. yeah. We skipped a few things Mason said that I brought me okay. joy. Um, so one of the things he's talking about, he says, when, he, when Daisy's like, you have to lie, but just make it a little bit. He's like, when you have to lie, you have to remember. And I'm like, that's exactly why I don't lie. I don't remember anything. Like, not a chance. Well, and then oh, that's why <laughs> he gets so upset about trying to make up this lie. He was like, I was bowling. I pulled a 360. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was very relevant to your life this week. So I actually had that thought while I was watching the episode. I was like, hey, I want bowling this <laughs> I love it. Um, but so Daisy has to go powder her nose and um she's like, I'm going to the restroom. She's no um Mason's like, Where are you going? She's like, Don't be needy. I'm going to the bathroom. And I was like, I have never related so much to Daisy right. in my life. Like do I love Mason? Yes. Would I also kill someone who is that clingy? Also, yes. Yes, yes, also yes. Um, but when she gets up, she passes Reggie and Clancy, who are at Dare Fawful House, and um, Clancy immediately hits on Daisy in front of Reggie. Shocking. I'm shocked. And I got so uncomfortable, not with the hitting on, with the what the fuck is going to happen if George walks in. Yes. I had the same thought. I literally was like, I'm not okay. What if George walks in? No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. But don't but worry. Don't worry. Rube walks in first. And Rube, who is the only one who actually knows who George's family is, mm-hmm. immediately play, plays Papa Bear. Yep. Like, so hard. He's like, we're moving. And they were like, you like this table? He's like, nope. Not today. Not today. <laughs> um, and then Mason is hardcore unraveling roxy asks where daisy is and he's like why the fuck would i know where daisy is i don't know where she is i'm not her keeper like why why would i know where daisy is and rube's like where is she in the bathroom like yeah (laughs) calm down right and then my favorite or no my first favorite moment of dialogue because this episode the dialogue in the beginning of this episode was just hands down my favorite so far i think it i think it might be one of the reasons why the episode's rated so high is because it is hysterical it is yep rube goes are you hitting the bottle again no just coffee irish no i'm english (laughs) which is funny because the irish and english hate each other i know but also irish coffee is obviously like i was like the level of wordplay and like subtle cultural nuance that is happening right now is but mason has no idea because he never catches on when things have meanings none and I love it. And um, I don't remember what happened next. Oh, oh yes, I do. Somebody says something. And Rube gets very angry. Because that's what Rube does. Somebody says something dumb and Rube gets very angry. 
I don't actually remember what the situation was, but I wrote in this case, only in this case, I am not mad at Rube's unnecessary anger toward Mason. Well, that's because Mason was talking about something and something being a joke. And Roxy just looks at him and she goes, you are that kind of joke. Oh, no, no, no. That is not quite yet because well, I, not have quite another, yet. I have yeah. another, I do have a note about that too. I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was something Rube was obviously angry because he was still trying to play the puzzles. Mm-hmm. And then one of the most beautiful camera shots, George walks in and as she's getting called over, um, her family walks behind her and she like just misses them, but she's also wearing like the nicest outfit she's ever had. And it's like a really light floral, like angelic pink. And so it just looks chef's kiss. Yes. Yes. Um, And then George says one of my favorite lines, because I usually don't think find George that funny, but she said, reaping a winner just makes me feel like a loser. Yep. (laughs) I I was like, that's so fair though. And then Rube is like extra on edge. Because between the George thing and his life and Mason being a mm-hmm. fucking crackhead, like he just can't handle it. And then um, they're trying to figure out what's going on with Daisy and Ray and Roxy makes an inappropriate joke. And Rube goes, I don't care for that kind of joke. And she goes, you are that kind of joke. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, and I literally had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. I was like, why is this episode so funny? Five minutes in, and it's the funniest episode so oh, far. Yes, it was uh, one of my complaints. <laughs> one of my complaints about the upcoming episodes. They're so good in the last ones. And I don't know why we didn't right. start at this level well, before. Right. The last, like, five or six episodes of season two have been so yeah. good. And I'm trying to figure out why it got canceled. Like, no, or when it got canceled. I, I meant to look it up again. I keep saying that and I keep not looking it up. But no, but, but like, every, every time I've looked it up, I haven't been able to find a solid mm-hmm. answer. I'll look again and see if I can Maybe find I'll it. ask Reddit because they, yes. know, they know things there. They do know things there. Um, and then they pass out post-it notes. Um, Mason's post-it note is purple. I wrote question mark about that. Mm-hmm. Um, George is being a sad sack again and I don't know what she said but I was like George shut up I also don't remember what she said she was talking about like it being her last day on earth and she oh, would yeah she's just being so depressed about how boring her last day mm-hmm. on earth was and I was like stop being a sad sack and then she started talking about how purple was her favorite color when she was a kid and I was like hey purple's my favorite color unnecessary note but I put it <laughs> Um, and then Daisy and Mason are like having a weird moment and George's always. always and George's the confused by it. She doesn't know yet. Then we go to happy time where Dolores is preparing us once again for a happy time going away party. I just said this is the most terrifying closet I've ever seen. And then Misty is there because why isn't Misty there? And Dolores calls Misty Pumpkin. George yeah, is I obviously confused. Out. George is obviously confused, but I was also confused because my note says, how is Misty Dolores's pumpkin? But last time we saw her, she was sleeping with Dolores's former co-worker with benefits, but now she's also making out with random dudes in the closet and Dolores like 
unfazed by it. Right. I'm V confused about Dolores' priorities as a boss. You know, we, we learned that she's got her mind on other things. So maybe she's just not worried about Misty because she is uh, getting ready to have her own date because she's back on the dating platforms. Which is fantastic um, for her, but like your your employees are making out in front of you. Yeah, I think she's just not paying attention. She's talking about her uh, her new love interest who, quote unquote, types like a jackal. And I was like, I find that what? to be so incredibly funny. Like in a way that I don't think I should. Like I think I should be perturbed by it, but I'm like I. Next time a guy like slides into my DMs or like messages me on a dating app, I'm just gonna be like, you type like a jackal, just to see how they react to it to that gauge is- to gauge whether I they will get me. That might make me go on a dating app <laughs> just to test that theory out. Like if you if you are confused by it, okay. If you go with it, like just go with it. I will probably meet you in real life. I probably won't still, but that's fine. I just, I don't like people. I, I do not have time for others. Um, and George decides that she will help Dolores plan this party because she's going to live vicariously through Dolores's ability to date. Right. Which that sounds like a great plan. Yeah, for sure. We're going jousting and typing like jackals. That's how we date like Dolores. So Roxy and Mason go on their reap slash it's really just Roxy's reap. Mason is just going with her because he's nervous. He has, he's had, he can't be alone right now. And Daisy clearly can't handle being around him. And yeah, George had to go to work. Like I can't figure out, but it's Um, so weird seeing Roxy in a t-shirt because we're used to seeing her like more, like in a yeah, in a uniform of sorts, any of them. Yeah. And she is like just hanging out like a regular person. And I was like, this is very strange. Um, but their uh their reap is at a sports bus, and obviously, in truest Mason form, Mason immediately finds the stoners. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And uh Ross Roxy asks Daisy uh about Daisy and Ray. <laughs> and Mason is like she dumped him. Because she's in love with me. Yeah. <laughs> and Roxy's like, I do not buy that theory at all. And I was like, okay, but like she is. Right. Like that is offensive yeah. of you to suddenly like to hate Mason so much that you can't believe that Daisy would be in love with him when like clearly they're in love. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you noticed it, but this school is the same one that the cheerleaders from the jail went to. Oh my it's god, I didn't notice it. I knew that I recognized the sea turtle like logo, yeah. but I didn't put it together at all. Of it course. was the girls from jail. So I thought so this is one thing that I really liked about this episode. I know that it's so inconsequential, but like I love little ties that stay throughout an episode. That is my favorite thing about a yeah. show that's a ser- running series where it doesn't matter, but it's held over for multiple episodes. And I'm like they could, if they could have done this now, they could have done this before. And I know that Stephen Gosh, I was only writing this one. Like he's only been writing this season mostly a little bit. Yeah. Last season, 
But like he's been there long enough that he could have incorporated stuff from right, the but first like, season. And but like even off. things like having Misty come back a couple mm-hmm. times, like just to show that like not every employee at Happy Time is a fucking nobody. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I totally get it. Um, then we go. Um, some oh we skipped. We didn't talk about what Reggie and Clancy were talking about in the diner because I was too busy being grossed out about him yes. hitting on Daisy. But they were talking about how Joy is out of town. And so um, after school, Reggie was going to have to be home alone for a little bit because uh, Clancy's class did not end early enough to pick her up from school. And she was like, it's fine. I'm 12. I can be home by myself. Um, But um, she is home by herself and she's being a dumbass because uh, she's 12 and she is an idiot. And um, she's trying to have an ice cream party with her dog. And uh, nosy neighbor Claire comes over and just puts her nose in other people's business. I had a lot of things to say to Reggie. I said, you can't give a dog chocolate, you lunatic. Don't open the door when you're home alone. And it doesn't matter if it's low-fat chocolate or not. These are all things that don't matter. Yeah. Um, I was mad at Reggie for giving the dog chocolate. But Mm -hmm. I was more mad at nosy neighbor Claire for coming yes. over and trying to be up in Reggie's business. Yes. I definitely agree. And I think Reggie shouldn't have opened the door. Agreed. For sure. You're not supposed to. I never would have opened the door for my neighbor when I was home when I was 12. I don't open the door now for my neighbor. And I'm not 12. <laughs> Although I am glad my neighbor opened the door for me tonight because as soon as I stepped outside, I realized I forgot my keys. Oh, no. I don't know. And even I was taking for a walk. So... I like pushed the button. I saw my neighbor like step out of his door and look at me and then like let me in. I was like, thank you. I literally don't even know my neighbors. I know like three of their names, but I know most of them. I have conversed with one of my neighbors once and it was to talk to the police after the drive by shooting in front of his house. Well, that is a, that is a time <laughs> to do it. That's a time um, for sure. Yeah. Um, then we go back to uh, uh, Happy Time, and Millie and Dolores and Crystal are working together to set up Brian's surprise, quote unquote, going away party. Mm-hmm. Um, which is dumb because it's no dumb. one even knows who Brian is. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, Crystal is continues to be my favorite character because. Um, Millie is explaining why she doesn't like Brian because he has a soggy handshake and her and Crystal are like having a whole conversation via like eyebrow raises and like gestures and Dolores is just like, why, why am I even here? Um, my question is to Dolores. She says, um, weak handshakes. What are they equal? She has small gloves. I was like, what? That that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't. Um, like, unless unless you're saying a weak handshake equals a small glove because a small glove equals a small penis. Yeah, but like you could still have a not weak handshake, I feel like. Yeah, but like maybe she is equating weak handshakes with little dick energy. Maybe so. Who knows? Look, it's Dolores. Who knows? Who I mean, knows? And she, she did just have a date with a man who types like a jackal, so she's probably got a uh, glove size on her mind. Probably so. Look, she's always got it on her mind. So not as much as Misty. 
but pretty close. I think she used to be Misty in a past life. I agree. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Back can we go? <laughs> when she was uh, sleeping with homeless men and getting arrested. Right. Yes, and the coworker. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go back to Dare Waffle House, and we find out that Kiffany is a psychic. And I have a lot of questions for Kiffany um, specifically. I would like to speak with her. Yeah, um, I do fully believe that Kiffany is a psychic and knows everything that's going on. Yes, 100%. Especially because of something that she says later in the episode, but we will move on for the moment. But um, Mason is asking her for a palm reading, and he's like, I'll pay you $10. And she goes, but you only have $2 in your pocket. And he pulls out two single-dollar bills, and he was like, And then he's looking around and everything in the restaurant is pointing to the end. Like the last napkin and an empty milkshake and like all of these things that are just like the end. And he's like, nope, that's it. It's purple post-it note means today's my last day. I'm going to die. I also want to comment on something he said um, when he's talking to Tiffany and she's like, your hands are so dirty. You need to like, those paws are filthy. And he goes, it's just blood. And it's not like it's mine. I was like, why would you say that to someone? Well, I would 100% say it was my blood if there was blood on me. Like, I don't care whose it is. Like, that is yeah. insane. And she just lets it go. Doesn't even acknowledge it. Huh. So then, oh, do you have another comment about Tiffany and Mason? I do. Um, it's the when he's seeing all of the end things. Oh, yeah. Like, she- I think it's my last day or whatever. And she says, you'll see a crescent moon in the daylight on your last day. And he, she's like, do you see a crescent moon in the daylight? He's like, no. And she goes, then it's not your last day. And uh, but, then she, but then she also says, there's nothing but the same gray, drizzly sky. And I was like, you can't see shit in the sky in Seattle. It's never going to be his last day. I mean, it's never going to be his last day. As far as I'm concerned. I mean, but like here, you'll see a moon in the sky during the day in the second or in the second most uh, or in the most overcast city in America. Right. Right. Then, you know, it's the end of the world. That's that's how they tell you. It's everybody's last day. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone goes at once. Uh, then we go to George and Daisy's house where Daisy is being depressed because that's what Daisy does. Like, um, I feel it. <laughs> Right. No, for sure. I mean, her boyfriend did just try to assault her and then get immediately murdered by her one true love and turn into a graveling. So, like, I, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Roxy arrives because she is investigating Ray's disappearance. Yup. And um, Roxy and Daisy have a very heated and coded conversation. Where Roxy fully knows Daisy's lying. Oh my gosh. Roxy knows everything. Right. But like there's a 0% chance that Roxy thinks that Daisy doesn't know where Ray is. No. But I I couldn't in this moment figure out how she felt about it. In this moment, I agree. I also could not figure out how she felt. I was like, is she mad? Is she upset? Is she like, I don't. 
whose side is she on? Like I, I, in this moment, I was yeah. fully like, what is Roxy's next move? Cause I, I don't know. I think in this moment that I felt like she was upset about it, but I don't think it's for the reason they made it seem like it was like, she's acting like she's put out. She's upset because she's looking for this thing. And I think she realizes what happened and she knows that it's really going to like be bad for Mason. and Well, I think, yeah, I think part of it is that she know, like she's upset that because remember how much she struggled with killing somebody, even though she was doing her job, she knows what that feels like and she hates that they're going to feel it. And she hates that they were, also, she hates that they were in a position where they had to do that because she knows better than to think that they would just do it. Right. But that's like a lot to process. Yeah. And I think they wanted to portray her as potentially being upset about it. Like, because like, oh no, the people I know killed someone. But I think it was really because she was upset but for them, not I, about them. Yes. I think she was upset for them. But I also think that she was upset that she was going to be in a position where she would have to lie. I no because I do think that she's like you I like the moment of having to clean up their mess Mm -hmm. like yeah I do think that that was part of it I I think that's fair I think that's fair um then we go to Brian's farewell party which proves definitively that all men are shit all of them 100% across the board except the four J names we mentioned. <laughs> no, no, no. Except, I was gonna say except Mason and Rube, but like all other men. Yes. Yes. Actually, literally no man on the show has not been shit except Mason and mostly Rube. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, um because uh Brian is trying to steal Dolores's wallet. Mm-hmm. George um, attacks him and um, is like, what do you think you're doing? And he's like, yeah, I was just, I wasn't, it's not what it looks like. And she was like, what is it? He goes, okay, fine. I was stealing it. But it's not what you think. I'm diabetic. I was like, what? Oh. And that's exactly what she says. And um, then she uh, asks Dolores permission to kick him out. Mm-hmm. And Dolores says, yes, but watch the language. So she says, get the F out of here before I kick your effing A again. And then she is like, I can't believe that happened. And Dolores goes, I can't believe it either. If I would have known he was diabetic, I would have got a special cake. I was like, also- Dolores is an absolute fucking idiot. Yes. Yes. Um, I also want to talk about how this scene was shot because it was a disaster. I hated every minute of it. I was like, this is the dumbest scene we've had in this entire show when she's chasing him through. Like, it's like they watched Mean Girls and they were like, you remember that animal scene by the waterfall, like by the water fountain? Let's see if we can recreate that with just George acting like an animal and Brian trying to escape. And it's not going to make any sense because that's not what this movie, this show is about. We've never shot a scene like this, so it's going to look really out of place. But let's do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly how I felt. I literally, I was watching it while I was on my lunch break. And I looked at it and I was just like, this is the dumbest thing ever. 
like I said it out loud to my phone. I was like, yeah, fantastic. It was, uh, sometimes, sometimes they do fun camera things. The past few episodes with this one and then with the weird shot with uh, Joy's jewelry and stuff, I'm just, they're making some choices that, again, I would not make. Yeah. If we go back to the last house um, where JD is very sick because, as we've already stated, dogs can't eat fucking chocolate. Yes. Um, and then we go to an undisclosed location where Mason is having a motherfucking yard sale. And I don't know if you had your subtitles on when you were watching this. I did, but I was taking vigorous notes, so I don't know what I missed. So while he's talking and all of these things are happening, he's trying to sell everything in the background. I couldn't very much hear it, but I saw it in my subtitles. Someone just goes, honey, the handcuffs. And then they never hear them again. Fantastic. My note, <laughs> I wrote like a paragraph because I was like, Mason's having a yard sale. That was my note. But then I go, but I'm unsure where this is um, yeah. because I thought he lived in an apartment. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I was very, very, very confused. I also was confused. And then the yard sale continues and he, again, is completely unable to relate to human beings and tries to sell a mattress covered in blood and gunshots. Oh, it's gunshots. And then the woman whose house it is returns home. I assume they were dead. And I go, oh, that makes sense. Um, But he is so funny. She was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm having a lawn sale. And she was like, yeah, but that's my lawn. He goes, I didn't know you had to own the lawn to have a lawn sale. There's nothing illegal about that. And she goes, no, but actually there is. And he was like, yeah. shit. You learn something new every day. And then he just tries to sell her everything in her own yard. He's like, $200, $250, and I'll be gone. She's like, oh, Mason. But I did like when he's talking to the, the priest who won't bless him, he tells him he's going to throw in the, gui- the kitchen guillotine. And I was like, that's another good throwback. Oh no, that was that was the couple. That was the the couple from with the mattress. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um, but uh, I was like, we've had two good throwbacks in this episode that were good callbacks that made sense. Um, my favorite and, was that the priest fully bought the bong, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, those um, priests. He was like, "How much for this incense burner?" <laughs> then, um. We go back to happy time where they pass out all the cake from Brian's going away party, even though they're not having a going away party. And um, Mil- or George is like trying to compliment Dolores on the cake. And um, Dolores is like, one day I'm going to have to write your name on this one of these goodbye cakes. And I was like, bitch, didn't Millie already have a going away party? Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. That already happened once. Yep. And then. George goes back to her desk and surprise, surprise, Mason is sitting at her desk eating cake. And she's like, first of all, why are you here? Second of all, I didn't even get a piece of cake. How did you get a piece of cake? Third of all, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> um, turns out Crystal gave Mason cake because they're still friends. Because why wouldn't they be? Right. Um, and then I cried. 
<laughs> because Mason is so sure he's going to die. And he is just, he has the biggest heart. And he's he like, does. George, the best thing about you is that you don't care and you get close to everyone and you love everyone. And I don't want you to stop doing that for a minute. I just, I love you so much, Georgie. And he just plants a kiss on her and it's like, you are, you are perfect. And I was like, I know. And he also had a really good line, which is a hashtag title of the episode. He, she says, uh, have you been drinking? He says, of course I've been, I've bloody been drinking and it's last call. And I was like, is it, is it last call? (laughs) Um, I was pretty confident going into this episode that it wasn't actually mason's episode but then when he gave this speech i go holy shit is this actually mason's last episode i don't think That's i can handle exactly this. what i did that was the exact like emotion i i had i was like i thought he was in the whole thing but like now i'm emotional right yes yes correct um then jd ran out of the yard and reggie is looking for him and that we just have a moment of Reggie looking for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, as if I wasn't already in fucking love with Mason, he goes to Daisy to say goodbye. And when, in the beginning, when they had been talking about how they wanted to spend their last days, Daisy says that she wished that she had spent her last day getting a diamond ring put on her finger because, you know, Daisy's a hopeless romantic. And so Mason, we see this montage of Mason doing what looks like a secret drug deal and like all the money Mm -hmm. that he's like sold and everything. But he was actually buying a ring, like a pawn shop diamond. And he gave it to Daisy and he put it on her finger and he was like, you are perfect. Like he was literally that guy from Love Actually with a sign that was like, yes. to me, you are perfect. And she was like, I'm not this kind of girl. I will never take your ring. And he was like, well, and I will never take it back. And she says, I can never grow with anyone, not with you. And I was like, why? Why can't you grow no, old? Well, because they can't grow old. They're never going to grow well, that's old. That's fine, but they can live together forever. But they're <sighs> Yes. You don't have to be old to be together. I'm sorry. My dad is um, getting ready to go to um, Gallifrey One, which is a Doctor Who Comic Con, and he's showing me all his cosplays. So he keeps like walking by and just like showing me and then leaving again. (laughs) So if I make weird faces, that's what's going on. Um, But no, I, I literally feel about Mason the way people feel about the to me you are perfect signs like that is i just i i just i feel more about mason than i read the way that people feel about the to me you're a perfect sign i will be single forever until a man loves me the way mason loves daisy adair oh preach preach god bless him i love mason so much um, unfortunately we then, have to move then, on yeah i could talk about mason forever but then um because of mason's speech all of my caps letters for the next thing that happens um my next speech part is that um 
in Mason's goodbye speech to George, he said that she should not forget her family. So George, um, Mason is perfect in terms of romantic um, charms, but in terms of intellectual advice, he's lacking a little bit. Um, But George was like, fuck it. I trust the man who put a drill in the back of his head. I'm going to go visit my family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's checking in on Reggie when she sees Charlie. And at this moment, I put in all caps. I told you ages ago, I would be so mad if JD died. I don't know if you remember, but in episode, what, like five? I was like, I'm going to be pissed if they kill JD. And you were like, they just got him. I was like, I don't care ever. That's true. Um, but. This is where another piece of trivia for the episode comes in. That uh, JD died the exact same way that Quinn died before she gave JD to George. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Um, but Charlie raped JD, and uh, George is freaking out and she's like please take it back like do anything but and he was like but it's too late it already happened I did think as much as I hate that this scene exists this scene was shot really well it was beautiful it was exactly how you needed it to be to draw the emotion you needed because you have that brief moment of hope when you see the dog come out from behind the car even though you know in your heart it's too late and, and he runs through, through Reggie, and it's just like, like he, I'm getting chills. And he doesn't even he doesn't even stop to see George, even though George can see him. He just runs with Charlie because, like, he's a dog, and his soul is just dog soul. Like, mm-hmm. and it was that was devastating and really well done. Yeah. So, um, kudos. Then, I don't know exactly what the next thing that happens was because my next note says Mason is sure he's on his last post-it. I don't know what moment that was. Um, I don't know, but my next note says I'm about to quit the podcast because JD has died and now Mason's on his last post-it and I'm just... Yeah, I don't remember... (laughs) I don't remember who he's saying goodbye to now or like how, what happened, but he's like super confident. Yeah. And then we go to the house where George is like crying to Daisy because her dog just died and Daisy is being a bitch. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Daisy is too messed up to be a good friend to George right now, True. which just... PSA. PSA. I always like to throw in a good mental health PSA every once in a while. If you are in a bad place and you don't have enough energy to care for yourself, that you can't also care for other people, save your friends the trouble. Like, and I don't mean that to be like, like, obviously, like, reach out if you need help. But if you aren't able to put in the energy to be a friend, just remove yourself from the people who need you to ha- give them that energy right. and hope that it would then be vice versa. And like you have friends that can handle that balance. Yes. 
but like figure out who is your balance that time if you're not in a good space you need someone who's in a good space and can handle that right and like obviously obviously (laughs) george and daisy will make up because they have to because their dad and have no other friends but like if you're going through something and your friend is also going through something probably not the two friends who should be talking to each other in that moment (laughs) like yes um but then it turns out that ray's graveling just won't leave the house (laughs) i was like what like, and does he not have a job to do? Is, he, don't they have jobs too? And he is um harassing Daisy, and uh, Daisy is shit face drunk because she can't handle Ray's raving, harassing her, and so yeah. she tells George everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My next note says "fuck Claire" because. <laughs> Because um, we go back to uh, the last house where uh, Clancy is trying to um, care for, console, that's the word I couldn't put in my brain, console Reggie. And he's like, it's nobody's fault that um, the dog is dead. And and, uh, Reggie's like, yes, it is. It's Claire's fault. She didn't close the gate. I was like, this woman. Granted, my anger was not justified. Right. But also, like, we didn't have joy in this whole episode. And Reggie's like, I want mom. And I was like, me too. <laughs> I was like, I also want joy. Yes. Um, then... My next note says, why are the rapes always so Wait, nice? I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Oh, you have more, you have more about have more about Reggie. the scene about it's about character description. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, so <sighs> Clancy in this scene proved just what a terrible character he is. And how not he didn't do anything wrong. Okay. No, no, he didn't do anything wrong today. But uh, we, like, he's been in so much of this show that we should have felt something towards him, whether it be anger, whether it be caring. And, like, when he starts talking about all this, and it's like, this is the moment that we're supposed to redeem him, clearly, I assume, that we're supposed to redeem him because he's taking care of Reggie, he's on her side, and he's upset about the dog, and I felt nothing. I, I get that. I do. I I don't disagree. I just didn't think it mattered as much as I think it did for you. I just, I don't, well, none of, this is not a spoiler alert because it's not going to come to real life. My first book, I've decided to get rid of one of my characters because he's not important and he takes away from the story. And so I've been wrestling with that for two weeks now. And so when I see a character like Clancy, it's like yeah. some. It feels like the way I, I wrote out my character. I wanted them to be in my book so bad that I just made them there. And by the end, they literally were just standing there during the middle of the climax. And I was like, "You're not important." And that's kind of how I feel about Clancy. Is that someone just wanted him to be here to make the story whole, so that there was still the mother, father, sister were still part of the world. I disagree. I, 
don't care for him. I disagree because I believe that occasionally it is appropriate to have characters that exist only as plot devices. And without him being a jack-off, mm-hmm. um, we wouldn't get a lot of the character development we get for Joy and Reggie. I think that's true. I just think that also he's not the necessary character to create that imbalance. Like it could have been anyone in his place. It didn't have to be him. And no, which is, which is fair. I'm not saying that his development in and of itself was worth anything. I just, I don't think of him as like a, two-dimensional character i think of him as a one-dimensional plot device type character which isn't ideal but is sometimes necessary and i think like i think when he first started going out of the show they didn't have to bring him back i think that they could have finished the rest of the show without him and it would have they could have created the same effect they needed without it being clancy and i think one of the reasons okay that's fair in the later episodes he definitely was not as important i just i just also i don't think that his complete existence was useless i mean i don't think it was completely useless i guess maybe it was a little harsh to say it that way because in the beginning he did have a reason to be there yeah but i think when he stopped having a reason to be there maybe he should have stopped being there instead they kept because i feel like there were other characters that gave the same like feeling like we had angelo who gave the same like paternal feeling going out going kite like doing kite stuff and then yes. we had the grandmother who came in and calls like some uh tension and everything it's so, like you can get some of these other points without having him and, be there. He, and here's where I think it goes back to inconsistent writing, because I think that the one relationship that you're overlooking mm-hmm. is the George and Clancy relationship, which again had moments that it was really important. And I think George grieving the relationship with her father and him not being who she thought he was is super important except that they then wobble on her character development so much. I definitely agree with that because I think that things would, I would have felt differently had they developed that relationship like they should have. Yeah. And I think, I mean, maybe that goes back to like for a while it was necessary for him to be there, but now it doesn't feel that way anymore. And maybe that is why, maybe that's why I feel that way. That would make sense. So I'm just saying that was, character issues yeah um but speaking of my character issues um the only characters i ever like are the reefs um because mason goes to the woods to meet his purple post-it note reef and this man is just the sweetest kindest man and they have a moment and then um mason explains everything about what being a reaper is and why he's there and I said, Mason, I don't think that's how you're supposed to do it. I said the same thing. I was like, stop telling people it's their last day before they die. And also, I uh, every Mason always super befriends everyone he reaps. <laughs> Which again, I mean, Daisy does the same thing in a different way. Like it's that, 
Mason might seem like a, it's that whole thing. It's the reason why I get so mad that everybody calls him a fuck up because mm-hmm. he might, he might be a little dirty and he might be a little drunk and he might not be the best, like with finances or hygiene or being a good friend, but he gets his job done and he does it in a way that like is beautiful in a different way. And this is where I find character consistency and character development done well. And so if you're looking, that's why I'm looking at two ends of the spectrum. I put Clancy on right. Mason, essentially. Right. And like Mason, Mason always, is so, so well done. And he's, even when he seems like he doesn't care and he's not like, he's like on one of his moods or whatever. These are the little moments where you're like, he always cares. No matter what's happening, he always cares. If Clancy is a one-dimensional character, Mason is a 16-dimensional character. Like, we get everything about why he does what he does and how he does what he does. And, like, it is. And it's not like it's just handed to us, like, Mason is kind. It's, like, showed to us through these, like, these type of scenes. And this is probably the most consistent, well-done part of the show is Mason's development. Absolutely. Um, then we go back to Der Fawful House, um, where Roxy is just chilling alone in a booth, and Kiffney's like, can I get you anything? And she's like, a scotch. And Kevney says, I don't know how you do it. And she was like, what? And she was like, your job. And I was like, oh, so she does fully know everything that they do. Great. She was like, because that skinny one came in and was doing lewd things to a piece of coconut cake. Which was the funniest way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Kevney reminds her that you don't get to pick your family. Yep. Yep. <sighs> then we go to what, for a second... I was sure it was going to be Mason's last scene. I just put, oh no, I will cry. Um, my note just says Mason is weird and beautiful and brilliant. I fully, fully blame this man for my standards of relationships. That is because, absolutely fair. Because like everybody's like, oh, your, to- your um, unhealthy obsession with toxic men started when you chose like X over Y in like, all these things. And I'm like, no, no, no. My <laughs> problem is that I expect that a man who is like appears to be toxic and is a dirty, grungy rocker guy is actually going to have a soul. Yeah. Because Mason is not like the bad boy who talks nasty to you, but like has a secret heart of gold. Like he just right. is, is a, heart a heart of gold, of gold but in a really dirty package. And right. I, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So if you know anyone, a like dirty bat <laughs> is what she's looking for. Yeah. In case you did not hear those words coming out of her mouth, I thought I'd reiterate that for you. If you know anyone who doesn't shower often and listens to rock music and might take a few too many drugs, but like really, really, really fucking cares, send can't them sing. my way. We learn the next episode he can't sing. That's yes. what he tells us. Um, but so he decides to go for a midnight swim with this camper so that they can die together. And then we have a beautiful shot of lightning hitting the water. 
I had such an existential crisis right here. I was just like, if Mason has to go, I was like, I don't know that I'd want him to go any other way because you want him to go in a blaze of glory. I was like, I just naked, want him to go. naked in a lake with lightning. With a friend. Yeah. Um, my next note says, Roxy covers for Daisy. Ray is gone. Mason is not. <laughs> Accurate. Accurate. Um, so we go to the Waffle House. Mace, or Roxy and Rube are talking. Roxy tells Daisy she's off the hook because Ray was last spotted in Portland. And so we know that she covered for Daisy. Mm-hmm. And then Mason appears. And um, Rube's like, the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> and he's like um why did you give me a purple post-it note and <laughs> Rube's like they were on a yellow at the office hut and let me tell you <laughs> this was surprisingly an excellent plot line for this episode this is one yeah. of my favorite low-key plot lines because it had me twisted through this whole episode i questioned why it was purple i was like i know it's not a famous person is it someone that they know is that why it's purple then when he was talking about being his last day i was like is it purple because his last day then i was like is it purple because he's telling this guy about the being a reaper i was like is it purple because he's transferring to this guy being the new reaper and it being his last day and then we get to the end doesn't matter and i was like that's that had me like in my thoughts through the whole episode i literally said so well done i literally was like all that bullshit over a supply chain issue yes which it hits me in a different place (laughs) because of the fact that scholastic has still not delivered any of my books to the school still still i have nothing do you know what day it is do they know what day it is it is the hundredth day of school and yeah. I, have no, I have no books. Well. It's a good thing that I know how to put PDFs on Google Classroom. The kids read the books chapter at a time. Because I, I have no books. Wonderful. So I have strong feelings about supply chain issues. I think it's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, then. Also, we get a Daisy one-liner here. Oh, do we? It's very quick, and you may have missed it because I almost missed it. But she's talking about this guy. He's talking about the guy being electrocuted by lightning, and she just says, "Better him than you." And then they all start talking about something else. And I was like, "Okay, Daisy." No, I know. I was. That's literally what I was. That's the next one. My note just says, "Daisy does love Mason." Daisy does love Mason, and I like almost. And this is another thing I think they do well in the show because. I know Daisy loves Mason, but they almost convince me every time that she doesn't until they bring it back again. And this, it's like the only plot lines in the show that matter or that are really well developed are Mason's and Daisy's. No, no one else matters. But no one else's plot line, like no one else's character development is anywhere near where theirs is. No. And this show is not about them and they're the main characters. 
Um, I think that the reason the last few episodes have been so good is because they have made it about them because they gave up on making us interested in George. Because no one cared. Right. She is not interesting. Um, um, but then basically um, Daisy lets Roxy take her on the reap. I don't remember exactly what she said to Mason to tell him that Roxy knows and everything's taken care of, but she like says something that like gives him a heads up and then just like, she says, tell Roxy. Thank you. Oh, she says, tell Roxy. Thank you. And Roxy says, you're welcome. And then she just like kind of holds his hand for a second. and was like, I'll talk to you later. And then we have a really beautiful moment between Mason and George where Mason's like, I'm not dead, but I thought I was going to be. So I sold everything and I have no place to live. And I'm kind of a fuck up. And she was like, I know. And I'm here for you. I got you. I got your back. This relationship, I wish would have started from the beginning. I know. Because truly, for George, George and Mason is the best storyline for her. Yes. And that's like, that's the, the big brother, the friend, the, the thing that the one, like the one love that she never had. Yeah. And we didn't really start getting this until Trip's episodes. Like, because that's I, so late into which the game. I totally get, but it's, I also feel like it's because they took too long to let George have feelings. They did. They did. I agree. But speaking of George having feelings, the end of the episode is her dropping off a package to her house where Reggie opens it and George gave her her frog. And she says a line that did get me a little bit. She's talking about hide and seek. And she's like, as a kid, Reggie would close her eyes. And it made her think she disappeared. No one could see her. She said, but you know, when you become an adult, closing your eyes just makes it darker. I was like, that is so true. (laughs) And so sad. So um, we ended on a happy note, as you can tell. Great show. We're having a good time. Fantastic. I have so many emotions. So many. Oh. Who do you want to punch? I said, can it be Ray? I said, that's probably not fair. So I guess I'll pick Brian. I'm gonna. Huh. <laughs> You know, I thought about Ray as a graveling. I don't know if you can punch a graveling. Brian was kind of a Brian was kind of a douche. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who else I'd pick. I mean, I will say at this point, the end of this episode, I think I still probably would have punched Claire. I think I I think I uh, I still think that she opened the Um, gate. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, how about an MVP? So this is a bit of a wild card, I think. But uh, I think Roxy. Because she's very low-key in this episode. But she does big but things. It's the episode protecting them all. Yes. Um, and she's what keeps this group together. People like to say it's Rube, but Roxy's what keeps this group together. Absolutely. Um, 
but for obvious reasons, because literally my middle name should be Simp, <laughs> I'm going to pick Mason. Mm-hmm. Fair. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was weird. I don't, I always hate that I like don't know how to end the episodes. Well, also, like, sometimes like today they end on like such a somber note that it's like like this episode started off this episode started off as by far the funniest episode of the show it was zing after zing and then by the end of the episode i'd cried five times right and like this this episode was one of my favorites for sure so far yeah um sure it's just like oh gut-wrenching when you get to the end like george's monologues have become more important yes the right word but like more uh more relevant i think more poignant poignant that's the word i was looking for they've become more poignant yep and it's like they matter and when she starts them you're watching to see why what she's starting with and then when she ends it she's like bookending it and i know i said i didn't like the book in another episode but i do like it in this episode (laughs) and she just like brings it back together but in such a way that it like grips your heart yeah and she may not do anything else in these episodes but her opening and endings tend to bring it together yeah so well speaking of openings and endings <laughs> just kidding that was the not a segue that i had at all um look it's fine you can talk to us on all of the social medias especially reddit please join our uh reddit page about our podcast community we have community that's the thing i don't know what these things are called i, we don't I reddit. we're trying we're attempting we're attempting the reddits um but the people on reddit seem much more like active mm-hmm. so like we like you a lot right yay hello. yay hello friends um yeah but so follow us at death and aliens everywhere um send us suggestions uh next um well when this one comes out i will have posted our top three sci-fi picks and when this comes out next the the wednesday following wednesday i will be posting our top three horror picks and then they will go head to head in the end yes and um we are very close to making some very big announcements aka this is almost the end of oh my gosh this comes out sunday so this might be when we should announce what we're planning for next weekend when you're here we should tell people before it happens (laughs) i guess um next weekend courtney and i will be filming together for the first time ever and we may try and go live. We will try and go live. We're going to try and go live. We don't. We're going to do our best to see. We, we don't understand do. technology. We don't know social media. So, like, we'll see. <laughs> um, if we're but, there, come join us. Love yes. to chat. If we're not there, we're sorry. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, but you can also follow me personally at all of the social medias at e-m-k-a-y underscore superstar and you can follow me at c-e-cloud 13 
And we will talk to you on Wednesday slash Thursday. I'm going to start Jenna Marblesing the end of these podcasts and be like, Look, you see you on Wednesday, Wednesday slash Thursday because like, <laughs> I don't, sometimes no, my life is together. I'm so sorry. Someone is yelling outside my window and I couldn't I hear needed, it. I needed to know if it was like murder yelling or like excited yelling. Mm-hmm. I think everything's fine. Perfect. Fantastic. Um, hopefully. Otherwise, uh, we might not have any more podcasts. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And bye. See ya.